Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transform their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now, here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. Our guest today is Mike Goldman. He's a nationally recognized speaker, consultant, and an author of the book, Performance Breakthrough, The Four Secrets of Passionate Organizations. He has more than 25 years of consulting and coaching with companies ranging from local entrepreneurs all the way up to several Fortune 500 clients, such as Verizon, Disney, Polo Raff Loren, Chanel, Dillard's, Liz Claiborne, and Levi Strauss. And in 2007, Mike founded the Performance Breakthrough Company to help mid-sized companies achieve dramatic business growth. He does this by working with their leadership teams to make sure that they have the right people, strategies, and very importantly, the execution habits for growth. And Mike is here today to talk with us about his book, Performance Breakthrough. Welcome to the show today, Mike. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. You know, I was reading that 29% of all employees are detached, that they really aren't excited about being at work. And in the new edition of your book, Performance Breakthrough, you talk about how important it is for everyone in the organization, no matter what level they're in, to be passionate about their work. Why is that so important? Yeah, it is important, uh, and, and the statistic you just used is one I use a lot. 29% of people are truly engaged, and, and what that means is 71% of people at companies are just kind of sleepwalking mm-hmm. through the day and sleepwalking through their careers, and to me, that's kind of like an engine running on a third of its power. <laughs> Ma'am, what could you do if you had the right people and you had the right people that were passionate uh, about what they were doing, uh, and, and by the way, if you've got those right people and they're passionate, those folks no other, you know, A-player passionate folks. And it just causes this great cycle, this positive cycle that really helps you take any organization uh, where you want it to go. Yes. I mean, when you think about more than two-thirds of, you're, you're basically running on one-third capacity. I mean, you know, they put you in the hospital if your heart's pumping at that rate. So, you know, so I, I guess some of these companies really could use some emergency triage. What's the number one obstacle that you see small and medium-sized businesses facing when they're trying to scale up for this growth? I think it really comes back to having the right people and having the right culture for those people. When, when companies really try to grow, whether it's a mid-sized company trying to become a large-sized company or whether it's a, a startup just, just trying to make it happen, uh, there tends to be a, a really large focus on strategy. Certainly strategy is important, but I love a quote that was attributed to Peter Drucker many years ago. It says, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Mm -hmm. You could have a great strategy, but if you have the wrong people, the wrong culture, a lack of passion, that's going nowhere. You could have a pretty mediocre strategy with A players and the right culture, and you could knock the ball out of the park. So I think that's, that's the one big obstacle is it really becomes about People, you know, Jim Collins and Good to Great talks about getting the right people on the bus. Uh, The question I like to ask all my clients, it's one of the first questions I ask a new client, is I ask them if they would enthusiastically rehire everyone on their team. It's a great question. 
and typically I get silence and then <laughs> maybe some snickers um, and a very, very, you know, uncomfortable feeling, uh, which is always good when you're a consultant and you ask a, a question that makes someone uncomfortable. You know, it's a good question. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that really is the key question. And, and, you know, you can't have an incredible company without incredible people. Yeah, and there really is something to that because, as you say, if you've got strategy but you don't have the right people, you're, you're going to go nowhere really fast. I mean, we have all seen that in all facets of our lives, not just in business when you're trying to get something done. But if you've got a really great gung-ho bunch of people, even if the strategy isn't perfect, they figure out a way to make it happen. Absolutely. And, and I love, uh, you know, Tip Kindle who uh, uh, wrote a book called Uncontainable. He's the founder and CEO of, of the Container Store, and they have an amazing culture. I love his philosophy. He has a, a one equals three philosophy that basically says one high performer equals three mediocre performers. Mm. And that allows them to, uh, to, to really put a lot of, uh, of time and effort into hiring. They only hire 3% of their applicants. Their training is 10 times, you know, actually 30 times more uh, other retailers. You know, just having that philosophy around the importance of people really changes things in an incredibly positive way. Mm -hmm. We have talked a lot about uh, people so far uh, this morning, and you've worked with so many different companies throughout the years, and when they've started to scale up, there's always growing pains involved. What do you find that companies are doing wrong? Like I said, we've talked about culture, we've talked about people. What else are they doing wrong, and how can they improve when they're going through this growth phase? There's really four areas that I look at, and and let me tell you what the four are. Number one is people, as we said. Um, Number two is strategy. You know, are they really, uh, do they have a long-term plan? Do they really have differentiation? competition? Do they have the right business model? Three is cash. You know, do they have a much uh, enough kind of oxygen so they, they could uh, kind of keep breathing for a while? And then the, the fourth one, which I actually think is after people, uh, the second most important is around execution. And again, you could have a great strategy, but if you're not executing on it day after day, if you don't have a discipline of accountability, if you're not able to turn that revenue uh, into profit, then you're not going to last very long as a company. And, and that's really where I see a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of CEOs that have big ideas, uh, even if they've got the right people, if they don't have the ability to, uh, uh, to implement the right processes, to understand the difference between responsibility and accountability and really have a culture of accountability, if they don't have the right uh, meeting rhythms, if they don't have priorities aligned up and down the organization, and I don't mean three-year priorities, I mean 90-day priorities, mm-hmm. um, then, then that's where folks really fall down. So it's this, this execution piece and having the right execution disciplines and really the companies I go into work with, you know, they, they really need what I would call an upgraded, upgraded operation system around execution, which includes uh, agreeing on the right priorities, what's the right data, metrics, key performance indicators that they need to look mm-hmm. at, and what are the right meeting rhythms. Yes, let's talk about that for just a minute. You hit on something really key. Uh, you said uh, something about visionaries. You know, you've got a CEO with vision, uh, something to that effect. And that's true so often that you have a leader who can see uh, Sometimes several years down the road, they're very innovative. Uh, they know how to uh, 
they know how to be disruptive. I guess that's the new buzzword. They know how to be disruptive in the marketplace, yet they have a very, very difficult time themselves following process. What do you say to leaders like that, especially those who may not have the resources yet to go out and hire a full-scale operations person? What, what do you say to them? Uh, first, I guess they have to realize, have the awareness that they're not the right person to lead the process. But, but what do you say to those people? Yeah, and by the way, I think they may or may not be the right person Mm -hmm. to lead the process. I think, you know, there's kind of a general thinking that says it takes one type of person to to start a company, be that visionary entrepreneur, and and someone else to to manage and lead it moving forward. Uh, And and sometimes that's the case, but I don't think it always needs to be the case. I think you can be a strategic, visionary, creative CEO, or you could be a very operationally oriented CEO. And, and, and I think what, what allows either one of those uh, to be successful is surrounding yourself with the right people. One of the things I talk about uh, in my book, uh, The Four Secrets, one of the secrets is called leverage, and it's about leveraging strengths. So if you're a CEO that's very entrepreneurial, creative, visionary, well, you need to make sure you've got a number two. And even if that number two is the second person you hire, if you're that small, you need a number two that's strong in the areas you're weak. They may not be very creative. They may not have a great vision. But, man, they just thrive on creating processes and holding people accountable and analyzing the numbers and those kinds of things. So I think part of it is about surrounding yourself with the right people. Part of the realization for that strategic visionary entrepreneur is that if if if, if, you, if you found it based on that and you don't worry about processes because that's not who you are, then the company's never really g- going to grow much bigger than, than, uh, than your potential as, yes. an, as an individual. If you create the right system, structure, processes, organization around you, then the sky's the limit. Right. And you do see that quite a bit. Companies that seem on the surface to be relatively successful, they're five, six, even seven years or more down the road. And they, as you say, they they look like from the outside, they're very successful. Yet the company is tied up solely in the entrepreneur. If that entrepreneur were to get hit by a bus or have something else arise and they're out of the company, it it really fails because there's there's they have not passed anything on to the rest of their team and it can't run without them so you get that kind of situation as well and it's really limited the entrepreneur is limiting the growth and and limiting the growth not just you know the the oh, if they get hit by a bus everything's over kind of thing but if you're not allowing your people and again it could be two or three people or it could be two or three thousand people mm-hmm. if you're not allowing your people to really feel like they have an impact to really feel like they're owners as well if you don't have those kinds of that that culture in place those processes in place then then even if even if that owner isn't getting hit by a bus uh, you're still really limiting your growth because you're not really maximizing the potential of your folks. Sure. You're just really treading in place there. What companies out there really do get it? Some examples that we could all relate to and how are they creating that passionate, more involved workplace that you just mentioned where their employees are empowered and fully in? Yeah, and you automatically think of some big examples, right? But I, I know a lot of folks that listen in or are, are, are small, small and, and, and mid-sized kind of companies, so, so I'll share that as well. But from the companies we all know, you know, companies like I mentioned, the Container Store. 
right. earlier. And it's because they really have proactively defined their culture and, and just make sure they're hiring folks that fit within that culture and evaluating folks within that culture. I think the Container Store does a great job. And if you walk in any of their stores, you see it. Um, I think Zappos does a great job. And they've been in the news kind of recently with this whole holacracy thing. And yes. they're getting rid of titles. And, and we don't really know where that's going to go. They're having some bumps in the road. But their culture, at least up until now, has been just phenomenal. And, and you know, most people have heard about their departure bonus where they'll train people. I think it's uh, it's after four to six weeks of, of training and they spend thousands of dollars training people. They then offer people $3,000 to leave. And the whole point of it is if they leave, that means they weren't right for the culture. Right. If they, if they love where they are and they want to help Zappos succeed and they think it can help them succeed as individuals, then they're going to say, you know, screw your $3,000. <laughs> I'm sticking around. Mm-hmm. So I think companies like Container Store, Zappos, um, you know, it's interesting. Amazon has just been in the news recently. I don't know if you saw the New York Times article, some, some pretty negative things about their culture. Um, but, but I think... Uh, you know, for those that have read it, you could look at it and say, you know, wow, they're a company that's doing great, but they have this horrible culture. Uh, and I don't, even from what I've read, it's not a horrible culture. They've defined the culture. There's a lot of people that don't like that culture. Mm-hmm. You know, someone said, I think one of the quote was, it's where, where high performers go to feel bad about themselves. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, so you could look at that, you can judge that as a bad culture, but you know what? They have proactively created a culture that they believe helps them to succeed, and then you have a choice whether you want to stick around or not. So having a great culture is not about always about warm and fuzzy. Yeah. Now, from a small company standpoint, just one more quick small mm-hmm. example, so people, people don't think it's only big companies that can do this stuff, is there's a company that, that's one of the case studies in my book called the Clarion Group. They're an IT services company in New York City. Charlie Buscarino is, is the, the, uh, the CEO. After about nine years, they were pretty stagnant. He was growing, and then nine years, he kind of hit a ceiling. Um, and what he realized is you know, he needed to change things around. He needed to create a culture where he can give his folks, uh, you know, real impact and ownership for what was going on. So what he did is he, he, he decided his role was really just going to be about setting the vision uh, moving forward, kind of vision, standards, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And he was going to really give ownership to the rest of his staff to make things happen. And he would roll up his sleeves and get involved if they asked him to get involved. And his company, his revenue has doubled twice over the next three years after being, you know, flat in year nine. So even smaller companies can really do things to uh, to create a more passionate and involved workforce. Yeah, and I think a lot of people would argue that sometimes small businesses actually have the advantage in that regard because it's easier at the smaller, more intimate group to create that family setting and to create, you know, you, you know the people who aren't performing and everybody knows it. And so it's, it's uh, sometimes more obvious and a little bit easier to do that. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to be talking about your book specifically, Performance Breakthrough, the second edition. You're listening to Smart Companies Radio on Blog Talk Radio. We'll be right back. 
Thinking Bigger Business Media is accepting nominations for the 15th annual 25 Under 25 Awards. These prestigious awards recognize 25 outstanding businesses with under 25 employees. We're looking for dynamic Kansas City area for-profit companies with under 25 employees that have been in business at least three years and have shown steady growth, a commitment to the community, and an ability to overcome challenges. If your company or a company you do business with qualifies for the 25 Under 25 Awards, fill out a nomination form online at 25under25.com. That's 25under25.com or call 913-432-6690 for details. Self-nominations are encouraged. Apply now. Nominations close October 9th for 25 Under 25. Don't wait. Nominate. Visit 25under25.com to nominate your business. Breakfast. A time to bring your family together over thick-cut, slow-smoked farmland bacon. And savory, delicious farmland breakfast sausage. Every strip, every patty and link brings the sizzle. Breakfast is served. Come and get it. Farmland. Passion for pork since 1959. Interested in growing your business? Thinking Bigger Business Media has the resources you need to grow your company to the next level, whether it's an aspiring business, a startup, established, or mature. Thinking Bigger provides the how-to strategies, critical connections, and key information to make your business more productive and more profitable. Check them out at IThinkBigger.com and find out what successful Kansas City business owners already know. Thinking Bigger Business Media is the resource for growing businesses. Visit them today at IThinkBigger.com. As I went through school, one giant question loomed over me. What did I want to be? First, I had to decide what I wanted to make. I wanted to make more, so I became a teacher. Now I make learning a privilege, not a chore, and frustration a tool, not an obstacle. I make working hard seem easy, and giving up impossible. I'm a teacher. I make more. Find out how you can make more at teach.org. Make more. Teach. Brought to you by Teach and the Ed Council. Good morning. Welcome back to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. We're visiting this morning with Mike Goldman. He is the author of Performance Breakthrough, The Four Secrets of Passionate Organizations. Uh, Michael, you ran through the four secrets in the first half of the show. What I want to ask you now is this is the second edition of your book. What's new to this book in the second edition? Yeah, in this book, there are a few new things that I think are really important. One is when I was speaking to audiences and clients about this book and, and, the, and the concepts within it, one of the big questions I got was, well, who's doing this today? Who, who are folks that are actually implementing this? And while you would have thought that was an easy question to answer, it wasn't so easy. So I made sure in this book that I spent some time and, and really put together some case studies of some companies that are doing this. So you can take these concepts and, and make them real. That was number one. Number two is over the last several years, uh, I have uh, come across and started using uh, a number of new tools and techniques with my clients that I wanted to get out there. Uh, So there's new tools in the book. And then the third one, uh, which will will help me make sure I don't have to write a third edition, (laughs) uh, is I've got a a, uh, 
website integrated with the book where some of the case studies, best practices, tools and techniques that are in the book, I'm able to update that on a website. People have access to that so I can continually update those things without having to put out a third Mm -hmm. edition. What is your website? And do you have to have the book in order to access this part of your website? You don't. You don't. The, the, and I'll give the, there are two websites. The website that is focused on the book that's integrated with the book is called passionateorganizations.com. Okay. I'm sorry, passionate organization, no S at the end, passionateorganization.com. And then the, the website for my business, which also has a link to the book, uh, and my business is working with small and mid-sized companies to, to help them break through these barriers to growth. Website for the business is performance-breakthrough.com. Okay. Now, talking about the book again, I mean, those are some real reasons, even if you bought the first edition, to go and get the second book now. Uh, But circling back to this, this is written in a narrative style. Uh, You talk about a man named Bobby throughout. Uh, That's a bit unusual when you talk about scaling businesses to have it written in that kind of a format. Why did you write it that way? Really two reasons. One is very personal. Uh, the book is actually semi-autobiographical. The story is about a, um, a, dad, a guy running a business who's a dad and has a son with something called Asperger's syndrome. Um, and, and I have a son with Asperger's syndrome. And I came up with the idea for the book um, at a uh, conference of, of a whole bunch of, of uh, parents of, of, of Asperger's and autistic children. Um, and there was a guy on stage talking about how to raise resilient children. And I heard everything he was talking about. And I thought, my God, this is the same stuff I tell companies to do all the time. And it's, he's telling me to do it with my son. Um, and by the way, I wasn't doing it real well with my son at the time. So, so that kind of planted the seed of this idea of this business owner who learns things from his thun, son's therapist that he can then apply to business. So, so the first reason it's told in, in that form is it's very personal to me. Um, second reason is I, I actually have I've read a number of, of business books. Patrick Lencioni is one, wrote a book called The Five Dysfunctions of a team and, and a number of others. Um, to me, the, the, these business parables, these books that are told in the form of a story are incredibly memorable. And whereas a lot of other business books that are written, and I'm reading two or three books at a time, so, so I, I read a lot and, and, and don't put down any other books, but a lot of the books you read, eh, about, about, two th- about a third of it is really, really powerful, good stuff, and then the rest of it is kind of filler to make sure they've got enough for a book. Um, and, and I like books that are quick reads, that are simple, that get their point across, and then kind of move on. So to me, I wanted to create one uh, that was a story everybody could remember that would be a fun easy to understand read uh, and telling it in the form of a story meant they weren't going to be fuzzy concepts I would get a chance to show how to really implement this stuff in a sort of real world environment yeah it's a great approach because as you say people remember stories and and that's what even from a marketing standpoint these days uh, all of the marketing gurus are advising that you market your company in the form of a story because again people remember stories Uh, as opposed to just a lot of fuzzy facts and concepts. For our listeners, what would you say is the one thing they should go out and do right now with their businesses? 
Yeah, I think what's most important, and we talked about this a lot at the beginning of the of the call, is I think it's important that they really discover uh, and communicate their core values as an organization. Your core values is really, to me, that that found those foundation building blocks that your culture rest on. It's non-negotiable rules of how we're going to behave as an organization. Uh, and there are exercises I use with, with clients as to how to discover those core values so they don't just become, you know, we've all seen the plaques on the wall, you know, honesty, integrity, uh, you know, entrepreneurism, you know, whatever words they want to put up there, but they're plaques on the wall. Right. And, and, and I'll talk to CEOs and say, do you have a set of core values? And they were sure we do. And I say, what are they? And they start fumbling through paper or to find it. The CEO doesn't even know what they are. So I think discovering, and notice I say discovering, because I think the core values exist within every organization. It's what's best, what's right, what's most noble about your culture. I think they already exist. It's a matter of how do we discover what they are, kind of bring them up to the top, and how do we make sure that we're communicating them and, and making them alive throughout the rest of the organization. I typically uh, take my clients through three tests of a core value. And the first one is, are you committed to firing someone, no matter who they are, firing Mm. someone for continuously and blatantly violating a core value? That means it could be your best salesperson, right? Who's not ex- showing respect, yeah. And you, and you, you know, if if that's really a core value, they don't belong in the organization. They're a cancer that slowly or maybe quickly killing your organization. So I think coming up with those core values, running them through these tests. You know, one is, are you committed to firing someone? Second one is, are you willing to take a financial hit? Mm. to uphold the core value. And the third one is, is it alive in the organization today? Can you tell current stories about people who are living those core values? I think discovering, communicating, making those alive, I don't think there's anything more important for a company to make sure they've got covered these days. Great advice, and thank you for sharing the tests as well. I was going to ask you, how can you determine those? And and that is a, a great little exercise that you took us through there really quickly. Once again, if someone is interested in purchasing your book, getting in touch with you, or accessing the interactive exercises that you have in your book, where would they go to do that? So if they want to buy the book, they can go to Amazon, just do a search on Performance Breakthrough, and you'll find it in Kindle and in uh, hardback, whatever whatever version you want. But go to Amazon for the book, uh, for my uh, my website, for the business. Um, if you want to get a better understanding of what I do, there's also some great tools, articles, videos out there. That's performance-breakthrough. Dot com, and then the website that's integrated with the book is called passionateorganization.com. Michael, thank you so much for sharing your ideas from your new book, Performance Breakthrough, The Four Secrets of Passionate Organizations. Uh, we really appreciate you being on the show today. Kelly, thank you. And if you'd like to learn more about how to grow your business, please visit our website at ithinkbigger.com. Follow us on Facebook, Thinking Bigger Business Media, or on Twitter at I Think Bigger. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.